This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey all, welcome back to the Real Life Pharmacology Podcast. I'm your host, pharmacist Eric Christensen, and I thank you so much for listening today. Uh, as always, go to reallifepharmacology.com, uh, subscribe there, and get your free uh, top 200 study guide. Great little resource for those of you uh, taking pharmacology classes and or if you've been out for a while and just want a little uh, refresher and, and to make sure you're you're up to speed in, in your clinical practice. So again, 31-page PDF, absolutely yours for free. Uh, you know, Share it with friends, uh, whatever you want to do with it, study guide, that type of thing. Uh, go take advantage of that. Sign up at reallifepharmacology.com, and we'll also get you updates when we've got a new podcast available, uh, as well as other information as well. So uh, thank you all for, for doing that. Uh, and today I want to get into the drug of the day, and that is torsamide. Uh, brand name of this medication is Demodex, and it is a loop diuretic. So uh, if you remember from the furosemide episode, mechanistically, uh, this drug and this class of drugs is going to uh, inhibit sodium and chloride reabsorption in the ascending loop of Henle. So again, we're in the we're talking about in the kidney there, and that's where the name comes from the the loop of Henle uh, and loop diuretics. So by inhibiting that reabsorption back into the body of uh, some of those electrolytes and things, what's going to happen is um, water's going to go with it. And so uh, ultimately what happens is we end up losing electrolytes uh, as well as water out into the bladder and ultimately uh, obviously out through the urine. So that can uh, obviously uh, cause patients to go uh, to the bathroom more. And that's one of the primary complaints uh, of diuretics, at least from a, a patient perspective in, in my experience there. So usage, uh, heart failure, uh, and cirrhosis, basically disease states that might uh, cause or contribute to edema or fluid overload. So those are the primary uses that you're going to see a drug like torsamide uh, used in. Uh, it can be used for hypertension, um, but we've got a lot of other drugs that we're uh, typically going to go to first before we uh, turn to a, a loop diuretic specifically for lowering blood pressure. So understanding uh, those indications and, and what a loop diuretic is used for, um, as a pharmacist, I'm always on the lookout for drugs that are going to uh, worsen some of those disease states that we might add torsamide to. So, uh, for instance, a drug like pregabalin um, can cause some edema, some swelling as an adverse effect. So you want to make sure that we're not contributing uh, to polypharmacy in the prescribing cascade. So if a patient gets started on pregabalin for maybe some neuropathic pain, uh, and then you notice two weeks, four weeks later, you see a prescription for a loop diuretic like torsamide. 
um, you've got to recognize that that's part of the prescribing cascade and we're managing uh, new adverse effects uh, with the addition of a new medication and, and that can perpetuate itself and, and lead to polypharmacy big time. So uh, I talk a ton about examples like this uh, in my new book, Perils of, of Polypharmacy, uh, which you can certainly find on Amazon there. But um, pregabalin is one example of drug that can cause edema and potentially precipitate a prescription for a loop diuretic like torsamide. Um, calcium channel blockers, keep an eye on, on those. So a drug like amlodipine, um, gabapentin along with pregabalin maybe, uh, pioglitazone, a diabetes medication, not used terribly often, but another one that can cause some edema and swelling there. So keep tabs on that and it, it can really help uh, help you prevent polypharmacy in the prescribing cascade in, in your patients for sure. Uh, dosing, usual initial dosing for torsamide is in the ballpark of 5 to 20 milligrams. Um, can depend upon what we're doing. If it's just some mild swelling and edema, that's really, you know, kind of a nuisance to the patient and really maybe not clinically significant or too clinically significant, um, you know, we'll probably shoot for a lower dose, you know, five or 10 milligrams. Uh, as we get into more, you know, serious cases of, of heart failure and things like that, uh, initially we might do 20 milligrams and, and kind of titrate up. So um, definitely can can vary a little bit based upon the starting dose. Um, based upon what we're trying to do, and of course, uh, the risk for adverse effects. So if patients had a history of, of dehydration and renal failure in the past, you know, we might be a little bit more uh, cautious and conservative on the, the dosing, again, weighing that with the risk uh, of swelling and, and fluid retention. Uh, one thing that does come up occasionally uh, in clinical practice is conversion. Um between loop diuretics so you know in a patient that maybe isn't responding to furosemide or something uh, we may look to switch them to a different loop diuretic and torsemide certainly could fit the bill there um, so typically approximate conversion is is 20 milligrams of torsemide uh, to 40 milligrams of oral furosemide now th there are some circumstances where this can vary a little bit and of course we want to keep the uh, clinical picture in mind as well. So, you know, if you've got a, a patient that's, uh, you know, on furosemide 40 milligrams and you want to convert them to torsemide, um, but they were on, you know, more on the side of dehydration or over diuresis or maybe, you know, severe electrolyte deficiencies, low potassium, then we're probably going to want to be, you know, on the lower end of, of that conversion, and we and we may be more and more conservative in, in that situation. So um, whenever you have a conversion, whether it's opioids or loop diuretics in this case, uh, really pay attention to the patient clinically. Um, and, you know, it, it might not be a, you know, exact conversion like the book says. Uh, you may want to be more cautious. You may want to be more aggressive in certain situations. Um, so it's, it's really, really important to kind of think about that patient uh, clinically there. And just to, to kind of finish that off, um, bumetanide or bumex is the other common loop diuretic. Uh, torsamide 20 is approximately uh, equivalent to um, bumetanide 1 milligram. 
Uh, adverse effects. So I've alluded to a couple already. So urinary frequency. Remember, we're going to push water uh, to the bladder and ultimately out of the body. Well, that's going to lead to uh, patients having to pee a lot more. Uh, dehydration. So as we run off more fluid, uh, that is a risk, certainly. Um, the more and more aggressive you get with running fluid off and potentially managing symptoms of heart failure and swelling and edema, um, the more aggressive you get, the more likely uh, that we're going to uh, cause uh, fluid loss in the, the vessels and, of course, the kidney as well, and that can lead to acute renal failure risk. And uh, certainly I'll talk about medications in the, the drug interaction section um, that may kind of exacerbate that risk. Uh, electrolyte imbalances, you got to uh, anticipate that that is a significant possibility. That's why we monitor uh, kidney function as well as electrolytes. And most electrolytes with loop diuretics are going to be depleted. So of note, probably the, the three most prominent ones that cause issues, uh, potassium is usually top of the line that we worry about first. Uh, sodium you may see some issues with and magnesium uh, you may see some some issues with as well. So those are, are definitely three electrolytes to, to pay attention to. Can cause some other issues too, but uh, those are the three that, that I see most often uh, with issues there. Uh, rarely uh, can cause ototoxicity. Probably more likely to see it you know, at higher doses in a hospitalized patient, and maybe they're on other ototoxic medications as well. So aminoglycosides um, being kind of the, the classic example there, you know, your gentamicin, tobramycin. Uh, and of course, in addition uh, to the renal function, electrolyte monitoring parameters, blood pressures are going to be monitored as well. Obviously, as you run off fluid, that can lower blood pressure and potentially cause some dizziness and, and things along those lines. Uh, kinetics, uh, of note, uh, oral absorption may be a little bit more consistent than furosemide. So I would say in my experience, most clinicians use furosemide first. They're generally most comfortable with it. They've seen it used most often. Um, but in, in a patient that maybe isn't responding to furosemide, uh, that might be a situation where somebody might try one of the other loop diuretics like torsemide. Um, and one of the potential advantages is uh, there may be a little less variability between patients uh, in the amount uh, absorbed or the percentage absorbed of that, that torsamide. Uh, it does have a slightly longer half-life than uh, furosemide as well. Uh, you know, clinically, does that make a huge difference? Probably not. Um, but in the setting where, you know, maybe we want a longer half-life or something for some reason, uh, torsamide um, does have a little bit longer half-life uh, than furosemide potentially. All right, so let's take a quick break from our sponsor and we'll wrap up with drug interactions. If you're in the market for pharmacist board certification study material like BCPS, NAPLEX, ambulatory care, geriatrics, definitely go check out meded101.com slash store. We've got a growing list of great resources. Uh, we've been at this for several years, creating content uh, to really help you prepare and, and pass your, your board exam. So again, definitely go check that out, meded101.com slash store. Uh, if you're a nurse, med student, PA, nurse practitioner, uh, my new book, Perils of Polypharmacy, great book if you're involved in geriatrics and you see a lot of patients on a lot of medications. 
um, I think you're going to pick up a, a lot of, of pearls or at least uh, re-remember uh, some important nuggets that may help you minimize your patients from going down the road of, of polypharmacy and the prescribing cascade. And again, great, great book if you're looking uh, for some case examples and things like that of uh, polypharmacy patients. So again, that link and, and all the links to other content that I have as well, uh, meded101.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E. All right, so let's wrap up with drug interactions here. I'll be, I think, fairly brief here. Uh, first thing to think about is, is blood pressure lowering medications, so that can have an additive effect. I think that's pretty common sense. Uh, so any antihypertensive, uh, that's kind of a no-brainer. A uh, couple other meds that I think about as far as dropping blood pressure, uh, medication like Cinemet for Parkinson's can drop blood pressure. Uh, SGLT2 inhibitors, probably most often used for, for diabetes, but you know their indications are expanding to heart failure and things, but they can drop blood pressure some, kind of have an added diuresis type of effect a little bit. Uh, PDE5 inhibitors, so drugs for erectile dysfunction like sildenafil, they can drop your blood pressure. So those are just a few examples of uh, meds that you might not think about having blood pressure lowering effects, but could have some, some additive impacts there. Uh, the renal issues you have to be aware of. Um, I always think of the, the triad of a diuretic or loop diuretic, uh, NSAID and an ACE or an ARB. Using those three together can really um, be taxing on the kidney. So definitely uh, remember to, to look out for those. If you have to use an NSAID, uh, you know, limit dose, limit duration, uh, if you can at, at all at all possible there, and that might help uh, prevent renal issues uh, down the road. And of course, we've got to monitor kidney function if we're starting changing some of these meds that can impact renal function. Uh, aminoglycosides I, I alluded to with ototoxicity, kind of that additive risk, uh, and then of course the edema. Uh, causing agents that might oppose beneficial effects from a loop diuretic. We got to be a little bit uh, careful with that because we don't want to contribute uh, to the prescribing cascade and, and polypharmacy. So again, some of those meds, calcium channel blocker, pioglitazone, um, you know, some of the neuropathic pain meds like pregabalin uh, can all cause edema. So keep an eye on that. All right, so I think that's going to wrap it up for today. If you found this helpful, uh, definitely leave a rating review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. That's greatly appreciative to those of you who've done that. Uh, go subscribe at reallifepharmacology.com. And if you have questions, comments, uh, definitely don't hesitate to reach out to me on LinkedIn, Eric Christensen, uh, PharmD, BCGP, BCPS. Or you can track me down at mededucation101 at gmail. Well, I'm going to sign off for today. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.